Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, it is well with our soul this morning. It is well with our soul, Father, because of you, because of your strength and mercy and love in our lives. Thank you for an, just an incredible time of, of singing, Lord, and, and praising your name through song. Father, I pray that our desire to worship you would, would continue now through our time of study. And Lord, I pray as we open your word, you'd speak very clearly to us. Open up the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Open our spiritual eyes to be able to see and understand. Father, remove from me any thoughts and, and personal opinions that I have. Father, fill me with the Spirit and allow me to preach the truth of your word to impact and change the lives of these precious, beautiful people, Father. I pray as we study and understand, as we pray every Sunday morning, Father, that we would be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. What an exciting summer we have had. School is nearing, right, students? Uh, The collective, uh, the teachers want to throw the hymn books at me. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it's been a great summer. Exciting things have happened. There have been so many camps. There have been so many opportunities for our students. Mission LaGrange was fantastic. We have a prayer night tonight. We, we just had a team return. A, a lot of our students went to Orlando to the, to the SEND conference. And I want to talk about, I want to just tell a story very quickly. Hunter Ernest is not in here, is he? Is Hunter in here? Will y'all get on Hunter for not being in here after I talk about him in the service, okay? Maybe in the next service. Our, our kids went to Orlando this last week, our students, and they went to the SEND conference, which is an incredible missions conference. Just had a great week. My wife and oldest daughter went, so they told me all the stories. And the last day after the conference over, they went to Universal Studios. They had a day to kind of have fun, went to the different rides. And in line at one of the roller coasters, Hunter witnessed to this guy for Christ, just standing in line at Universal Studios. If he can do it, you can do it. Right? I mean, if he can do it at Universal Studios during, they were in a lightning delay. There was a lightning storm. They couldn't ride the ride. And, and of course, our kids just started talking to the attendants. And Hunter, standing there in line, and some of you students, I can see by the smiles on your faces, were with him and know the story. Witness for Christ in line at Universal Studios. Why don't we do that every time we go out into the world? I'm just really challenged by that. I love Hunter, man. I love his heart and, and kind of where he's going. And you ought to spend some time talking to our students because the Lord's done some, some pretty cool things in their heart. But I just, I love that story. I love his boldness and his desire to share, his desire to witness, and all of our students' desire to go and to go to this conference. And, and man, I just think about when I was 15, 16, talking to people about Jesus and going to the nations on missions were not on, that was not on my radar. I don't know about you when you were 15 or 16. And I grew up in a church, but man, our kids are being exposed to some pretty incredible things. So many of our students have gone. So many are being challenged to go. We're just excited about what the Lord is doing and the energy level he brings to our church and just the way in which he's working. I mean, I'm excited this morning because we had a baptism. 
What a celebration of the faithfulness and the glory of the Lord demonstrated through baptism. I just started thinking with this baptism upcoming and all the baptisms we do on a regular basis and the baptisms that are coming up in the future, I just got to thinking, you know, maybe as a church we ought to kind of pause for a week or so and just think about the importance of baptism. So to, to kind of clue you in, we're going we're to kind of think a little bit about baptism this morning. Next week is Lord's Supper. We're going to talk about Lord's Supper. So kind of the, the two ordinances, the, the two ways in the church that we're commanded to remember Christ through his baptism and through the Lord's Supper. We do those on a regular basis for a reason. But, but I'm fearful that far too many believers in our society have kind of forgotten the significance of those two things. I'm fearful that we're, we're so accustomed to it and we're so used to it. Praise the Lord, we baptize people a lot around here. We're so used to it that we're kind of like, what's the next song? When is offering? You know, when we get out to go to the buffet? I just think we miss it sometimes. And so I thought, you know what, let's just, let's just slow down because, man, life just, just flies on by. Let's just slow down this morning and let's just think for a minute about baptism. We had the opportunity to celebrate a baptism this morning with Chelsea. So many others have been celebrated already this year. Let's just stop for a few minutes and let's examine biblically the significance, the importance, the, the symbolism of baptism. And then in that process, if we're already a believer, let's be thankful for what Christ has done in our lives. Let's rejoice for all that he's done and all that he's accomplished. And let's pray that more people will come to saving faith in Jesus Christ this morning and this week and, and for years to come because of the glory of the Lord. And so we're going to focus on Romans chapter 6 this morning, but before we get into that, I, I, remember, I just want to kind of work through this text. Before we get into that, there, there, there are kind of three big ideas I want to give you about baptism to make sure we're on the same page, to make sure we're not confused, to make sure we understand kind of what baptism is. And then we're going to delve into Romans 6 and be very specific about what Paul teaches here. But there, there are kind of three main things, and I have them on the screen. The, the first one, I want you to understand baptism, just before we jump into this one. Baptism does not save you. I want to be very clear about that. Sometimes there's confusion. Sometimes people are, are, are misinformed. Sometimes they think that the act of going under the water in some way provides salvation to you. That's not the case. What we would say biblically, and we see this time and time again, it's through repentance of our sins and faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved. Right, so we, we read so many verses, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Right? So, so the idea of salvation is a repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. Baptism does not save you. Your faith in Christ does. So I just want to be very clear about that. Make sure there's no confusion. The second thing is kind of the, the mode of baptism. We baptize by immersion. Right? One, of the, one of the distinctions of the Baptist church is that we baptize by immersion. We fully take the individual under the water, bring that person back out of the water. We, we do that for several reasons. One, it's symbolic of death, burial, and resurrection. Paul gets into that in just a few minutes in Romans, and we'll spend some more time on that in just a few minutes. We see the picture and the symbolism in Scripture of the death, burial, resurrection. We don't sprinkle. We don't pour. We want to show symbolically death, burial, under the water, under the ground, resurrection, right? That's what Paul says. That's the picture of Scripture. But, but another reason we baptize by immersion is because, back up to the second one. I'm sorry. I'm not through with the second one yet. I want to keep talking. 
about the second one. The actual word in Greek means immerse. Baptizo actually means to immerse, to put under the water. And so we see this picture in Scripture of Jesus and the people he discipled going into the water. So for example... Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, this is the baptism of Jesus. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up or came up out of the water. Right, so there's, this, there's the Greek word that means to immerse. We see it as a, a literal picture of the death, burial, and resurrection, the symbolism. We see the scripture that teaches Jesus went down into the water, came back out of the water. And so we would argue the correct mode of baptism is by immersion, completely under the water. Now the third thing, I want you to see, you can pull the third thing up as well. Baptism comes after salvation, never before. Okay, we don't, we don't want to say that you're baptized first uh, and then you accept Christ later. And now this is not a sermon on, on pedo-baptism or the baptism of infants. I, I can meet with you if you have questions or you grew up with a background that you have questions or concerns. I, I'd be happy to sit and talk at length with you about that. I'm not going to get into the details there. But we would say biblically, salvation comes first, then baptism. And we see verses like Acts chapter 2, 38. Peter is preaching, he's teaching, he commands the people to repent and then be baptized. Right, so there's this order here. We, we want to see repentance, salvation in Jesus Christ, baptism by immersion follows that. Now those are just kind of three big ideas. They're not found in Romans chapter 6, and so I didn't want to try to force them into Romans chapter 6, but they are found in Scripture. I can, again, if you're interested, meet with you and talk specifically about those individual things. But those are important to understand. Those are important to understand about baptism before we move specifically into Romans chapter 6. Now, Having said that and, and understood that, I hope, like the teacher in me is coming out right now, and I want to ask if there's questions. I can't really do that, but, you know, I'm like, if you only got a question, call me or let's meet after church or come down at the, at the altar and I'll be happy to talk with you about these three things, okay? Now, Romans chapter 6, very specifically, bring up verse 1. I want you to understand what Paul's doing here in Romans 5 because it's important before we get to 6 to understand what's happening. Paul has made this interesting argument at the end of Romans 5 that when we sin, grace abounds. Right? So he said to us, listen, when you sin, the Lord provides you with grace and, and praise the Lord that he does that. But, but the logical thought in people's minds, and Paul asked this question at the beginning of verse 1, listen, if the Lord is going to provide us grace when we sin, then what we ought to do is sin more so we get more grace. Right? I mean, if God's going to give me more grace the more I sin, then I would probably just want to sin a lot more, therefore receiving more grace. Right? So that's, the, that's the, the discussion and the argument Paul has been making and thinking through in Romans 5. Now Romans 6 verse 1, he asks this very specific question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? So Paul is saying, listen, should we just continue to sin? Should we sin more so we can receive more grace? By no means is the answer in verse 2. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Now verse 3 gets kind of the heart of what we want to talk about this morning, the idea of baptism. Do you not know... Paul says, right? He's kind of saying to us, I think some of you are unclear on this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his, what's the word? Death. Death. 
Do you not know that all of us who were baptized or have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Here's point number one. I want you to see this very clearly. We are baptized into death with Christ. We're baptized into death with Christ. Now, for some of you, you're confused. Right? Because baptism for us is a a moment of celebration. Right? We, we celebrate baptism. We're excited about what the Lord's doing. We praise God for what he's accomplished in our lives. I love what, what happens sometimes when we do these baptisms, especially if an adult is saved, and they kind of go back to work, or they go back to their family, and they say, listen, I've accepted Christ. Uh, I want to be baptized. Would you come and see me be baptized? You'd be amazed at the people that have come to Rosemont over the years and other churches just to witness a baptism. They'll come. Some of you may have kind of done that in the past, right? You came simply because you wanted to see a baptism. You wanted to kind of celebrate that with this person. Baptism is a time of excitement. It is a time of celebration. It is a time when we point to the glory of the Lord. But I don't want to miss the original intent because this is important. This is what we miss so often as believers. What, What we miss so often is that Paul says baptism is a sign of death. Right? It's a sign of death, and it's very symbolic in the way that we understand baptism. Right? We, we, we see Christ and what he accomplished for us, us with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So baptism is kind of this symbolic reminder, first of all, of what Jesus did. <clears throat> right? We would argue that Jesus willingly walked to the cross... Jesus gave his life for our sins. Jesus died, right? He didn't swoon or just pass out. He died, was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And so the the very act of baptism, the very act of immersion, puts the person kind of under the ground in the grave, is symbolic, first of all, of that death with Christ. But it also is symbolic for us in a sense that the way we used to live, the life we used to have, the sin that used to control us, we're saying to the world publicly and to the Lord himself, that old self is gone. And I've put the old self to death. I used to be this person. I used to think this way. I used to live like this. I used to make decisions based on this. I used to do these things. This is the old self. But because of what Christ has done in me, because of how he has worked in my heart, because of how he has led me to repentance of my sin, I'm now saying to the world and to the Lord, that old person has been buried. They're dead. They're gone. So there's this beautiful symbolism, and again, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to talk about how other people do it, or, or, you know, again, we can talk all about specifics later, but to me, you miss an awful lot of that symbolism when you don't immerse somebody in the water. That's a picture of Christ. It's a picture of his death, burial, and eventual resurrection. It's a picture of our death and eventual resurrection in him. One scholar explained it like this. In the first century, the word baptize evoked associations of violence. It meant immerse rather than dip. It was used, for example, for people being drowned or ships being sunk. So there's this real clear connection in the first century, and as Paul writes here to the Romans in chapter 6, there's this real clear connection between baptism and death, the death of Christ and the death of our old self in this world. Now now for us, we kind of miss that, don't we? 
That's not necessarily the first thing we think about because we want to celebrate and rejoice, and we should. I'm not saying don't do those things. Those are right. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of excitement. But I always, I'm always challenged when I, when I come back from mission trips, as so many of you are, I'm always challenged when I go to other parts of the world, especially parts of the world that look down upon Christianity. Right, so, so when we go to South Asia, some of you have gone to South Asia. We have two more trips this year, by the way, that are already full. Praise the Lord. There'll be five trips. Now, this year, we've taken to South Asia. Five trips we've taken to South Asia to teach these believers, to reach people for Christ. We'll do it again next year, God willing. But when we go, we, we talk to these believers, these people that live in a context of persecution, these people that, that live in great difficulty. And, and I want you to just kind of think through this with me just for a second. If a person in South Asia accepts Jesus in salvation, repents of their sin and prays to receive Christ, and wants to follow Christ in believer's baptism, that person person doesn't have the opportunity just to go to a local church and be baptized. Like two reasons for that. One, there are, there are very few local churches. Number two, if there is a local church, it's in somebody's home, and there's no baptismal pool located within the building. So the person in South Asia that accepts Christ comes to this very clear realization, if I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to do it in a lake or a river or a creek in a very public place. And so when I do that, my family is going to see it. My friends are going to see it. My coworkers are going to hear about it. My boss is going to hear about it. And for so many of these people, it's, it's certainly a moment of internal celebration and celebration with other believers. But externally with their family and the world they live in, oftentimes it's very symbolic of death. Because the life they used to live with their friends and their family is going to drastically change after they step into the baptistry and the pools of baptism in their village. I'll never forget the first time we met, we met, we met with a, a Muslim man who had accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he sat there and he just kind of relayed to us what his life was like and his account of, of how his family had disowned him and how his wife was divorcing him and how he'd lost his job, he'd be kicked out of his house. The police would come every now and then and, and beat him, asking him to recant and turn back to Islam. And I just never forget how he explained that and how vastly different his life was and how faith in Christ and baptism in Jesus actually cost him something. Paul says we, 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 we need to remember this. We need to remember what baptism means. We need to remember the symbolism of baptism. We need to re remember and be reminded that it costs us our former life and for people in different parts of the world it costs them everything still today. Now let's continue, look at verse 4. So we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, right? So Paul's kind of painted the picture of death. We've gone into the water, we've gone into the grave with him into death in order that, right? So there's a purpose. This death is not just death alone. There's a purpose in this death in order that just as Christ, right? So now Paul's beginning to make this connection with Jesus. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too we also might walk in newness of life. Let, let's read that one more time. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was 
raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here's the second truth this morning. Through God's glory, we are raised to experience new life. Through the glory of the Lord, we can, through salvation and faith in Jesus Christ and following Him in baptism, we can walk in newness of life. We can experience new life. I I, I love the phrase that Paul uses there kind of in the middle of verse 4. Pull verse 4 back up again for me, please, if you would. I I love the way that he explains it in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, how? By the glory of the Father. Man, I I, I often kind of joke, and I've even said it from here before, the the questions I want to ask when I get to heaven. Like, Lord, why did you do this? Or explain this to me. And, and, And right at the top of my list is what happened in that tomb. I mean, what happened? The glory of the Lord demonstrated in the Son to raise Him from the dead, to offer eternal life to all that would believe in that little rock tomb in the middle of nowhere on that particular evening. I want to see it, man. I want to see if God had like a, a closed-circuit video. Maybe He could show me that, or, or maybe He could reenact it. I, I want to understand and see that Jesus was raised by the glory of the Father. But here's the beautiful picture to me as Paul makes the connection. Just as he was raised by the glory of the Father, we too (laughs) might walk in newness of life. That, That same glory that raised Christ from the dead allows you to experience new life in salvation. Did you know that? That's powerful. I love the verses that speak of the glory of the Lord because... You know, you, you, you may know this, you may not, I hope you do, but, but our kind of calling in life is to bring glory to the Father. That, that's what we're called to do. And so there are all kind of scriptures that speak about the glory of the Lord. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the, the sky proclaims His handiwork. Revelation 19, 1, after this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying, Hallelujah, Savior and glory and power belong to our God. We're united with Christ in so many different ways scripturally, right? We're united in his crucifixion. That's what Galatians 2 tells us. We're united in his baptism, Colossians. Ephesians tells us we've been made alive to be raised up with him, be co-heirs with him. But we're also connected with Christ through the glory of the Father, and so what, what Jesus says, what, what Paul teaches us and helps us understand is that through this newness of life, bring that verse up one more time, please, for me. Through, through this idea we too might walk in the newness of life, through the newness of life, now this is important, we display the glory of the Father to the world. Did you know that about yourself? Like as you walk in salvation, as you walk in newness of life, as you experience new life, you bring glory to the Father. Jesus, I've given you this beautiful gift. <laughs> I've given you this beautiful opportunity. You guys may, may have noticed, some of you may have seen it, you probably hadn't noticed it in a while, but as you leave today, notice on our sign, it says experience new life. That, that's, that comes from Romans 6, right? The idea that there's something new in Christ, right? We want to walk in newness of life. When we baptize people, we say, buried in the likeness of death, raised to 
walk in newness of life or to experience new life, right? We're raised from the dead. We've been buried. That old self is dead. We've put that sin to death. We've now been raised, why? To experience new life, to bring glory to the Father through the way we walk and the way we live and the way we interact with others. And so so the question becomes for us as believers, how are we demonstrating the glory of the Lord through our lives? Are you really walking in newness of life? Or are you kind of acting like the same old person? Are, are you thinking differently than you did before salvation? Are you acting differently? Are you, this is, this is a difficult one, are you responding differently? Right? It, it's not easy, but it's, it's possible a lot of times to act a certain way because you can kind of control that. But how do you react I read a book one time, the guy basically argued that we can, we can learn a lot about a person by the way they react to certain situations. Right? And so you're in Walmart and things don't go the way you want them to go, how are you reacting to that? When the guy cuts you off, how are you reacting there? Right? How, how are you walking in newness of life? What, what has Christ done in your life that other people can see? Because if you're, if you're really experiencing this new life and walking in this new life, it ought to be evident to other people. They should kind of know something's different about you. They may not be able to put their finger on it or define it exactly, but they probably notice, you know, something's different about this guy, something's different about this lady. I'm not quite sure what it is, but whatever they have, I'd like to know a little bit more about it. It's the new life. It's the glory of the Father. It's this promise of hope that Jesus has given you it causes you to be different than you were before. Are you walking in newness of life? Are you living this out for the sake of the kingdom? Now we need to finish. We need to wind this down. Look at verse 5. 4, right? So we've been buried in death. Death to the old self, symbolic of Christ. We've been raised now. It's a reminder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's also a reminder of the world that we've been raised to experience and to walk in newness of life. Verse 5. 4, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Here's truth number three. We are united with Christ in baptism. We are united with Christ in baptism. Paul paints this beautiful picture of the hope we have in Jesus. Uh, we've been buried with him. Certainly we'll be united with him in resurrection. So there's this idea of walking in newness of life here, but there's even more glorious reminder of the hereafter. Right, so we've got this life that we live for the Lord, bringing honor to Him with the hope and the picture and the beauty of heaven looking ahead of us. Now, I, I love what Paul says here when he speaks about Christ being united to Jesus. I'm, I'm reminded of uh, John chapter 5. John chapter 15, the vine and the branches. John chapter 15 says, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing we need to be reminded, and, and, and I just want to kind of think through this as I, as I finish up this morning. We, we need to be reminded that if, if we're going to walk in newness of life, if we're going to experience new life, it's only going to come by abiding in Christ. It's going to come by, by living for Him, by, by trusting Him with our lives, by, by seeking Him daily, by responding to His Word, by allowing Him to, to, to kind of infiltrate our hearts and our thoughts and our minds, and, and by using us for 
the sake of his glory and for his kingdom. That's how you're going to live united with Christ as you abide in him and love him in all things. If you do those things, you'll walk in newness of life. Now, I want to end with this. I, I want to kind of finish with this idea. I know in a church our size and as many people come on a Sunday morning that there are probably people here who have never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so if you are a believer and you're confident in your salvation and you've been baptized in Christ and you're, you're good with all that and you're walking in newness of life, you've experienced new life, I want you to pray for the person that hasn't. Okay, but I want to talk very clearly just for a minute before I finish up this morning. I've got this, this last chance to kind of do this. I want to talk very simply to you about salvation. The Bible teaches that we are separated from the Lord because of our sin. We've done all sorts of things. We've all got a kind of a long list of things we've done, sins and mistakes we've made. The Bible calls those sins and says that we've been separated from the Lord because of that sin. Now, the sad thing is there's nothing we can do to get back. We're not strong enough to fix that bond. We've broken that bond with the Lord because of our sins, because of our lives, because of mistakes we've made. We've broken that bond with the Lord. We can't physically, with our own power, do anything to get back to right standing with the Lord. We can't. It's impossible. But God, in in, in his wisdom and, and love for us, and in all of his glory, provided this incredible opportunity through Jesus. And so what Jesus does is he comes and he says, listen, I'm going to kind of give you this bridge. I'm going to to kind of lay the cross down here, and I'm going to give you this chance. I'm going to take the place of your sins, Jesus said. I'm going to stand in your place, and I'm going to take all the punishment that was due you for your sins. I'm going to offer you forgiveness for those sins through the cross. And so Jesus says, listen, if you'll just repent of your sins and admit to God the sins that you've committed, if you'll just trust Jesus and repent and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and came to die on the cross for your sins, if you'll just accept all that and pray that Jesus would be the Lord of your life and salvation, the Bible says you'll be saved. And when you're saved, you put to death the old, you walk in the new, you look with glorious anticipation of the hereafter. Now some of you have not done that this morning. I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. In fact, if you want to be convinced by something I say, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be convinced by the power of the Spirit working in your heart. But as we go to our invitation here in just a second, if the Lord has prompted you this morning, or has challenged you, or you sense in your heart that He's working, and you've never actually accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, just summon up the courage. Just walk down here and let's talk. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to stand you in front of people and make you say anything. I just want you to get this straight. Because the decision you make for your life as it relates to Christ is the most important thing you'll ever do. And you may make a lot of mistakes in your life. You can fix those. You can't fix the mistake of not accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. So let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for the truth you've given us with baptism. It's very clear. Scripture teaches about it over and over. Father, it's such a beautiful reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Also, our death to our old self, resurrection to new. Help us just to find glory in that, Father, to be excited about that. Allow us to live in newness of life, to experience new life, Father, because of what you've done. And then I want to pray specifically this morning for the unbeliever. Lord, if there's someone here this morning, a man or woman or a student or a child... It's never prayed to receive Jesus Christ, Father. I pray right now the Spirit would just work in their hearts. The Spirit, Father, would just convict that person of his or her sins. 
I pray that person right now, even as they hear me praying, Father, would, would recognize their separation from you and you would lead them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, you do a great work in the hearts of our people. Use us, encourage us, challenge us. May this be the day that somebody gives their heart to you in salvation. And Lord, we'll trust everything that you're going to do. We love you and we serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The altar is open. You can come and repent of your sins and accept Christ. You can speak to me about salvation or membership or whatever the Lord lays on your heart. This is your opportunity to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.